And I think what COVID um, uh, has brought to the fore is the importance that what we need to do in Africa is invest in basic infrastructure. And I think one of the areas uh, we could potentially look to is, you know, leveraging digital technologies. Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rupir White. My guests for today are Yaki Silhir and Stella Kwasi from the Institute for Security Studies. I've included their detailed bios in the show notes. They recently published a report, The Impact of COVID-19 in Africa, a Scenario Analysis 20 to 2030. This is the topic for our discussion. And without further ado, here's the interview. Yaki, Stella, welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for inviting us. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm really excited to speak to you today. Um, Yaki, I'll start off with you. Uh, you hit the African Futures and Innovation team at the ISS. Could you please tell us a bit more about the work that you do uh, and then also the focus of your latest updated report, which is a topic for our discussion today on the impact of uh, COVID-19 in Africa? Um, Rakhir, thank you very much. So um, the African Futures and Innovation team at the Pretoria office of the Institute for Security Studies is a small team. Um, we largely use a, a single forecasting platform that is hosted and developed at the uh, Frederick S. Party Center for International Futures in Denver. And we do, firstly, country studies. So we've done country studies of Mozambique and Kenya and South Africa, Ethiopia, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Algeria, Tunisia, and so on and so forth. And then we do regional studies, for example, on the future of the Sahel, the five regions that are part of the G5 Sahel. We've also done studies on uh, the ability of Africa to achieve uh, some of the sustainable development goals like poverty. And then finally, we do issue studies, let's say the future of violence and instability or poverty or the future of democracy. So um, these are the kind of things that, uh, that, that we do. And it's, uh, yeah, we're a small team, but we're quite busy. Yeah, you really do a lot of interesting work, and and it seems it's really informative, obviously for policymakers and 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 for future planning to keep uh, keep the work in mind that you guys do and the, the possible scenarios. Um, Stella, then um, as a topic is COVID nineteen, could you perhaps talk us through the 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 scope of COVID nineteen in Africa and then perhaps some of the differences um, in terms of how our Africa is experience experiencing this pandemic. Yeah, thank you, Rikwe. Uh So we know that uh, Africa's exposure to COVID-19, at least initially, was due to international exposure. Uh, that has somewhat subsided now, and a lot of uh, what's happening now in terms of spread is because of internal risk factors um, or certain features uh, of African uh, the African society and a lot of African countries. Uh, this includes, you know, urbanization, um, the state of our health and basic infrastructure. Uh, in this regard, I mean uh, water and sanitation access. Mm. Um, and so we are seeing a lot of community spread just being a challenge of everyday living where people are not able to to be socially distant because of the, their living conditions. Uh, but we also know that um, Africa's population, at least to this point, uh, has been touted to have helped uh, perhaps uh, reduce or 
you know, we have not seen the the same level of of fatalities as we have seen in Europe and 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 the mm-hmm. U.S. and and other regions. And you know, this is likely a function of just the youthful population. But going forward, we see the situation spreading beyond urban areas and into rural areas. So it's you know, the the fact that we also don't have uh, enough capacity to test means that we don't really know the extent or the magnitude uh, within mm. which the, the virus has spread. So it's hard to tell when we don't have exact data. But based on, mm. on the trends that we see currently in terms of, of death, I think Africa has been spared the worst so far. So we shall see how the situation progresses. So, so a few points that I picked up from from what you mentioned is obviously um, the availability of infrastructure and water and sanitation is an additional challenge, and then um, social disability to have social distancing. Um, and, and then I think we're going to perhaps touch on this later. Is also you know besides the health the health impact, obviously you mentioned um, Africa has a younger population, so that helps in terms of the the overall mortality rates, uh, but then there's the second wave of, of economic impacts and broader spillover impacts that create other, other negative impacts. Um, and, and then obviously it all starts with health and healthcare, and then it goes into the economic aspects. But Stella, what do you think are some of the approaches can, African countries could consider perhaps you know, in terms of the healthcare response, you mentioned um, the challenge um, with with testing and, and data. So obviously, that is an additional challenge that we don't have the the, the breadth of data to really know what what the um, development of this pandemic is in Africa. All right. Yeah. Um, thank you, Rikue. So that is obviously um, a challenge for for Africa, uh, but I think there are a couple of ways or different ways the African government might want to approach this. I think first and foremost, um, communication, effective communication, I think is really important uh, so that people are able to understand what the situation is, why certain actions are being taken, and what the public's role is in ensuring safety and, and you know, just ensuring that everyone is cooperating and doing the best that we can in in this situation. Um, But we know that Africa has had uh, experience with uh, epidemics before, uh, such as Ebola. And learning from countries that have experienced um, such epidemics, I think is important to see how they have managed other health challenges because you know it's not just the coronavirus that we are dealing with there are other health challenges that have always existed that also need to be dealt with so just figuring out how that has been done in collaboration with communities i think is an important uh sort of thing that african countries can try to learn from each other but beyond the health impacts you know what you sort of touched on um, the spillover effects are around the economy and and just basic livelihoods of people and i think mm. there might be an opportunity for africa um, in this instance we know that i think with every crisis there has been an opportunity for collaborations you know if you think about the first world war 
led to the creation of the International Labour Organization, Second World War, the UN, and so forth and so on. And I think Africa has been touting um, the Africa free continental trade. And this mm-hmm. might be a chance for greater collaboration. So while reducing the flow of people, it might help for African governments to keep borders open for the flow of goods, just so that mm-hmm. economic activity and trade um, carries on. Um, I think related to this as well is um, having seen the, the impact of the coronavirus on economies and how, you know, that balancing act, governments trying to keep economies running as well as maintaining uh, the health situation has been quite complicated. But I think timing is everything, you know, not opening up too soon and and just ensuring that things are, are sort of sequenced. And I think central to this is um, the small and medium sized enterprises. Uh, I was reading a study that says that about 70% of the workforce in a lot of countries are employed in in SMEs. And so making sure that workers in in that sector are not shaded during this period to, to ensure that we don't aggravate the economic situation, I think is important. And I think a lot of African countries have, have tried to to, to support SMEs through concessional, concessional financing and, and other indirect measures. Mm. No, th- thank you, Stella. You made several very, very good points there. Um, um, I think some of it that stood out for me is, again, um, how important communi- communication is um, and then learning from past experience and past um, health crisis, crises in, in Africa and then obviously SMMEs, um, so so a lot of valid valid points there. Um, Yaki, I'm going to get back to you. Um, could you please tell us a bit more in, in your, uh, about the scenarios that you used? You had three alternative scenarios in your recent report. Could you please give us a, a bit of an overview of those scenarios and, and, and what we can learn from those? Um, thanks, Rukwira. Yes, so we um, first we created a, a, a baseline scenario, uh, a pre-COVID growth scenario that uh, really looked at where we thought Africa would have been had it not been for COVID. And then we compared COVID with uh, three scenarios that we termed V, U, and L after the Mm -hmm. shape, of course, of the letter and the economic recovery. Um, And each scenario has got three components to it, namely growth. Um, So obviously a V-shaped recovery is much sharper than a U-shaped recovery which uh, and an L-shaped recovery takes a little bit longer. Um, so growth was the first component. The second was mortality. Um, we used the data from Imperial College to model the impact of mortality, and we used different mortality interventions for each of the V, U, and L scenarios. And the final intervention was we looked at the measures that African governments had taken to combat the impact of COVID through particularly additional social grants. Um, So uh, all three of these scenarios, V, U, and L, have got, uh, they have the same economic contraction in 2020 uh, 2020 this year, but uh, they're um, going into 2021, uh, 2022, they have a different shape, different mortality, and so on. So, for example, um, if we, um, we, we expect that Africa will um, experience a growth contraction of about 3%, all of Africa's, on average, the 55 countries in Africa in 2020, 
And then going, uh, our, our forecasts are until 2030. So we look at the impact of COVID on um, the achievement of key sustainable development goals, particularly on um, impact on poverty. Um, and then we also look at average incomes, the size of the African economies and so on. Um, and um, from this analysis, it's, it's very evident that Africa faces a huge challenge going forward. Just to give you an idea, um, if we look at uh, extreme poverty, uh, this year alone, we expect that 14 million additional Africans will uh, fall below $1.90 per person. Just to give you an idea, this year alone, 2020, an additional 14 million additional Africans uh, will fall below $1.90 extreme poverty. Um, and although um, extreme poverty was set to increase um, even under the pre-COVID scenario till 2030, uh, what is now going to happen, we were expecting that the rate of poverty, the percent of extreme Africans living in extreme poverty would have declined from the current about 36% of Africa's 1.3 billion people to about 33% uh, of its population by 2030. Now what is going to likely happen is that the percent of extremely poor Africans is going to increase to 35, possibly even 37% by 2030. So that's one indication. Um, a second of the impact of COVID. A second indication would be to look at um, uh, average income levels. And depending on which scenario you uh, subscribe to, Africa will either recover to its 2019 average rates of income that is last year, either by 2024 or by 2030. So we are losing uh, four or 10 years of growth uh, or GDP growth um, uh, through the impact of COVID. And then finally, if one were just to, for example, look at the economic impact. Now, this year alone, we expect that the African economy will decline, will shrink by more than 200 billion US dollars. Um, and in a worst case scenario, by 2030, uh, the African economy could be um, $640 billion smaller than it would have been by 2030. So the impact of COVID is huge. Um, it, sure. it, it, it is almost, I would almost say indescribable. And it's not because of the health and the mortality impacts, it's largely the economic impacts that are driving these uh, uh, these the, the results. Because the rest of the world of clamp down, shut down, tourism, trade, everything else is declining. So this is huge, and COVID is going to have a long-lasting impact on the continent. Mm. Thank you, Yoki. So that that's with that impacts, it's really a big big step backwards that we need to try and catch up on and. Uh, see how we can how we can um, get ahead again at, at some stage i think uh, the report also makes a, a number of, of recommendations um, one touches on the provision of basic infrastructure um, how could how could african countries perhaps approach this considering infrastructure backlogs and then also trends in urbanization and um, also uh, thinking about the needs of rural communities yeah, so there, there are serious challenges. We have um, a, a large backlog in Africa. And it's very interesting to note at the different way in which urbanization has occurred in much, in much of Africa compared to the rest of the world. The first point is that Africa generally is much more rural, particularly Eastern Africa, the Horn of Africa. It's different in North Africa and in Southern Africa. 
But in East, West, and Central Africa, populations are still predominantly rural. But we are seeing quite rapid urbanization. Now, in, uh, when urbanization happened, for example, in Europe and North America and even in China, it was accompanied by um, the building of uh, basic infrastructure, water sanitation, uh, that would allow people to survive the uh, health uh, challenges that came with, with uh, living closer together. That has not happened in Africa. Um, in actual fact, what has happened in Africa is uh, it has been a modern medicine that has been kept keeping um, disease at bay. Um, so we have not built in Africa the um, set water sanitation and so on. Uh, the basic infrastructure that provides basic health care across much of the continent. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a significant underinvestment. Uh, for example, the average uh, access to improved sanitation in Africa is about 40%. It is 80% in the rest of the world. Uh, only about 78% of Africans have access to clean water versus 97% uh, in the rest of the world. So we have a huge basic infrastructure um, backlog. And I think what COVID um, uh, has brought to the fore is the importance that what we need to do in Africa is invest in basic infrastructure. You know, running water, being the ability to wash your hands is absolutely basic to uh, being able to deal with, with COVID. If you don't have that, if you if you're don't have um, improved um, sanitation and, and so on and so forth, we're, we're really going to struggle. So I think one of the our big recommendations is simply that uh, this backlog in basic infrastructure that has accompanied the nature of Africa's development uh, needs to be rectified and that African governments need to invest much more in um, basic uh, water, sanitation, electricity, and so on and so forth, and make up for that backlog uh, to be able to also counter the additional pandemics that Stella referred to that, that in inevitably will come. Hmm. Thank you, Yaki. That's quite an important nuance you gave there, especially in terms of urbanization and pace of infrastructure development. And then also just the, the access to basic uh, water and sanitation services is crucial um, in, in this you know, in this process of, of keeping COVID at bay. Um, Stella, then another recommendation is that Africa needs obviously to improve um, its spending and, uh, on healthcare. Um, but I think that can be difficult in the term, in terms of the current fiscal space or constrained fiscal space. Um, how do you think Africa can approach um, the healthcare challenge, perhaps through regional or international collaboration? Yeah, uh, thank you, Rikwe. So, uh, financing is is obviously a huge challenge, and I think Africa can ex explore certain avenues to try and cut costs while still being efficient and effective. And I think one of the areas uh, we could potentially look to is, you know, leveraging digital technologies. Uh, we have seen uh, mobile phones, the revolution in mobile phones and just how people conduct their lives. And I think this has touched on the health system as well. And a lot of African countries are using mobile technologies to reach people in rural areas, uh, you know, consulting with your doctor, uh, figuring out what your symptoms are. So just being able to, to do some of, of, of those activities through technology, I think is one way 
within which Africa can then try to leapfrog and make improvements in the health sector. Um, I also think that creating a sense greater collaboration, um, especially public-private partnerships, uh, but beyond public-private partnerships, I think we've seen uh, the level of research and partnerships going on on the continent, at least with COVID. Uh, Senegal produced, or at least they're still testing, their that testing kit for COVID that you can take at home and you don't need to like go to a hospital or to a lab. And so I think those are some of the things that we need to strengthen. It seems that the, you know, some of the skills are with us. It just needs greater collaboration between um, the public and the private sectors. Um, I think additionally is improving on the knowledge skills and being intentional about what is needed where. So looking at our, you know, say the rural areas and the urban areas, what are the specific needs of, of those areas and what kind of skills do we need in those areas? I think those three things might help us to to cut costs and reach people in the most effective way possible. Hmm. Those are some some great points, Stella. So you mentioned um, technology, um, collaboration, and then obviously skills. So so that that's great. Yaki, then another point that came out of the report is the emerging debt crisis. Um, and that there will be a need to put a moratorium on some of this debt or likely some um, some debt forgiveness. Um, what can African countries do to perhaps collaborate with the international community and then to manage this drag on their capacity um, to spend money in critical areas that, such as infrastructure and healthcare and education? So Africa was growing quite robustly in the years uh, ahead of the COVID crisis. We just recovered from the great financial crisis of 2007-2008. And, uh, then, um, and then, uh, of course, there has also been a decline in, in commodity exports in the meanwhile because Chinese growth has, has changed. And then came COVID. Um, now, when you're growing at, you know, 5 6 7% a year, you can, um, uh, you can have a high debt burden. And quite a few African countries, Ethiopia, Kenya, Angola and so on have been borrowing a lot of money to, um, particularly to build large infra infrastructure projects like rails, railways and dams and so on. But when your growth then contracts suddenly um, by five, six percent uh, percentage points in a single year, uh, that high debt burden becomes a debt crisis. And I think it's uh, not impossible, given the global contraction, to imagine that quite a few African countries, and I'm thinking of countries like uh, Angola, uh, Zambia, Malawi, may, may, may actually experience a debt crisis, that they will uh, be for forced to um, default on their, on their debt. Now, the response by the international community has really been quite, uh, quite limited thus far. The G20 have agreed on a, on a one-year debt uh, standstill, so that means that we still have to repay our debt, but uh, we we don't have to start. We don't our debt payment for 2020 is moved till 2021. But uh, a lot of the other efforts have not really um, led, um, have not really uh, resulted in much effort. Now bear in mind that um, the Africans at the start of the crisis were calling for about 90 to 100 billion dollars uh, of assistance, and the international 
and internationally, uh, I think it's three to four trillion US dollars have been spent by developed countries on combating uh, COVID. Um, uh, but Africa is, is really not uh, not visible in this at all, uh, except that we have an emerging debt cr uh, crisis that uh, that may eventually um, lead to defaults, and it's going to mean that money that comes to Africa is much more expensive. Um, we won't be able to borrow on the international, on the on the debt market, particularly the commercial market, and so on. So. Um, a generally really, really a, a concerning problem because we all know the importance of attracting foreign direct investment. Um, and with tourism and um, flower exports and commodity exports all down, our ability to um, earn foreign exchange, uh, even just to repay our current debt levels, uh, is going to um, really decline in uh, this year. And, and it's, it has long-term impacts. So, um, I am not sure where this is going to go. There have, there have been various efforts and calls for uh, debt uh, suspension. Uh, that's particularly what the G20 have done. And there have been calls for IMF special drawing rights and the establishment of a special purpose uh, vehicle. But of course, your, your lenders um, first want to see where this goes. Are we going to see a sharp rebound uh, in next year? Uh, that largely requires some type of vaccine to be rolled out and a global recovery? Or um, is this um, going to eventually become the U and all the L-shaped economic uh, challenge that uh, I started off in, that's in terms of our scenarios? Um, and, and that would have severe repercussions for Africa and for our potential future credit worthiness uh, to be able to borrow on international markets. So I think of all the things... Uh, we don't have high mortality in Africa. We have a huge economic impact, and that economic impact is particularly going to affect our creditworthiness, our our ability to repay, and may have an impact to a degree on the international financial markets, largely because uh, how Africa is seen in those markets. Because we are a, Africa is a very small player, of course, when it comes to to these markets. So uh, the debt issue for me is probably the most serious of them all. Mm. No, that that's definitely concerning, um, Yaki. Um, so, so, Yaki, linking to your, your the previous uh, point on on the debt uh, debt burden and debt crisis, um, the report also mentions the importance of economic transformation um, in African economies and the need to increase productivity. Um, what would you say are some of the key sectors and perhaps factors that countries should consider for this transformation, keeping in mind, obviously, this uncertainty and challenge around um, uh, the debt crisis? Well, Africa faces a number of opportunities in this regard. Um, I think we are all hoping that what will happen is that COVID will accelerate the potential um, and the uh, of, for example, the African continental free trade area in particular, um, as well as uh, the implementation of a digitization of the African economy. Um, uh, there are a variety of measures that I think uh, opportunities that we have uh, to uh, transform um, African economies to, to much greater productivity. But, you know, generally it's about moving labor from uh, particularly the informal sector into the formal sector, uh, from uh, the low-end services sector into the manufacturing sector and going up the agricultural value chain. Um, I recently completed a book on this, um, Africa First, which really deals with uh, these various components 
of what could unlock more rapid um, economic growth in Africa. And, and over long-term perspectives, that's what's important. It is getting to more rapid economic growth. Of course, that has to be um, pro-poor growth or it needs to also deal with Africa's inequality. So the nature of the growth is important. And traditionally, um, uh, that has been seen to come from from agriculture, um, although agriculture is not a, uh, a solution to, to everything, but Africa generally has not invested, particularly in small-scale agriculture, to the extent that um, uh, uh, we should have. We talk a lot about agriculture, but in actual fact, we don't invest in agriculture. And food self-sufficiency is absolutely critical if Africa is to um, uh, firstly feed its own people, uh, become more food secure, and then um, enable the entry and going up the productivity ladder by next entering low-end manufacturing and so on and so forth. So um, there's no magic solution. Uh, there are certain uh, vehicles, tools, particularly the implementation of the African continental free trade area and di leapfrogging digitization that can accelerate our transition. But it is very often fixing many of the basic challenges. We mentioned previously the challenges of infrastructure, um, and so on that that we haven't been investing and um, and and that's really I think uh, what I think COVID will reinforce uh, and that is uh, in a sense getting the basics right. Mm. Th thank you. Okay, that that's a very good uh, ex explanation of that of that context. So I think amidst all this uncertainty and challenges, there are opportunities and and I think a, f a focus on some of those basic elements. Um, one example being infrastructure can really make make a big difference. Um, Stella, then, um, considering the outlook and scenarios, um, do you think we should revisit the SG, SDG targets um, in, in the context of COVID-19? Uh, yes, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if Yaki mentioned this, but from the study that we conducted, it's unlikely that Africa will meet the SDG targets. And I think that we obviously need to revise those targets, um, but beyond revising them, I think we need to recommit ourselves to, to the SDGs and sort of reanalyzing what it means to achieve sustainable development goals. Because I think what COVID is showing us is that sustainable development is far more complex than just achieving economic growth and we need to go beyond, although economic growth is important, we need to go beyond economic growth to assess our institutions, the way we live, the way we work, produce, consume, and how we share the proverbial national cake uh, and how we treat the planet. So I, I think sustainable development is a multidimensional uh, undertaking that we all need to take, but we have to change the way we do things and what it means to have a, a decent a decent living and that means changing those targets thank thank you stella but but i think with that um yaki um you mentioned your book africa first which obviously also touches on a lot of the the issues that we've discussed today so i'm going to post a, a link to that in my show notes um and thank you for the great discussion to both of you it's really been a pleasure speaking with you thank you Thank you very much, Rukwir. It's uh, great to be hosted by you. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy listening.